0: Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius and Christian. We have been on a break. We're back. We took a week off, but it's good to be back. Did you Did you enjoy your time away, my friend? Did you fit in some movies you'd like to share with the listeners or, you know, just need to keep that to yourself? Where are you feeling?
1: I... Saw many, many movies, I think, during the time that we were on break. I know, but I'm looking at my list for... I'm looking at my 2021 list. I may have given a five-star rating to, like, four movies. Wow. Yeah. Really? Already? I think so. I'm, like, okay with that. Part of me is, like, trying to be stingy. Like, no, Christian, save yourself, but then also, no, that meant that there were four movies I freaking loved, although also gave no five star ratings in 2020. So I
0: don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what anything means. Christian said in the crisis of stars. I, I'm also stingy with five star ratings. If you look at my letterbox, you'll see that I give a lot of four stars and quite a few four and a half stars, even, but I really try to hold on to those five stars. So still holding out hope. I don't think I've given anything the full five star treatment since Bo Burnham Inside this year so we'll see if i can find number two or number three even with some i mean lots of exciting movies coming out over the next few months here i mean
1: spencer comes out thursday eternals comes out thursday what's next week belfast is next week
0: what's that christian eternals comes out this week (laughs) what a lovely segue into our brand new blend of the month This is by far the
1: most commercial that we've been. We are literally just playing to the masses. We are selling out. We're selling out,
0: baby. We need them clicks and downloads. That's right, folks. It is time to talk Marvel. Christian and I, obviously, as we've talked about on the show, are fans of the MCU. And so we wanted to take a month to look at their movies that have come out this year. Partially because we got three MCU movies that all serve kind of different purposes. We have Black Widow, which we'll be discussing today, that is a send-off to a character who will most likely no longer be part of the MCU while introducing someone who hopefully will be part of it for a long time. You have Shang-Chi, who again is introducing someone and setting the stage for someone. And now you have Eternals, which will be coming out the day that people are listening to this, hopefully. And maybe, like, if you're excited about that, you'll have a chance to have even seen it by the time you hear this but a movie that is trying to expand the scope of the MCU and introduce a large number of new characters. So, of course, we still got Spider-Man coming out later this year, but we figured now would be a good time to check in about just this year in Marvel to talk about the three movies we got and see how we feel about them, especially in comparison to all that has come before. So, we'll have some other fun surprises coming up later this month, but for now, it's time to talk Black Widow.
1: Yeah, um, Black Widow, a movie that was delayed because of covid but was always going to be the first movie in Phase 4, which is also odd. Show, from the beginning, it was going to be the first movie, which is strange, considering it's a send-off. And the only thing that I can think about it was they, they relied heavily on their post credit scene, or mid credit scene, I mean, in order to, to, to say, yeah, welcome to Phase 4. So, I I don't know. I, I want to start off, before we get into some background information, we have gone through a full arc. Phase one, phase two, phase three. The Infinity Arc. And Marvel is dominating culture. It is part of the Disney machine. It's probably Disney's biggest instrument at this moment. We had around a year and a half to a two-year break. I think it was a year and a half since Spider-Man... No way home. No way. Far from home. Since Spider-Man. Far from home. And I wanted to ask, having this time away from the MCU, what did you think? Were you just... Was that year and a half long, besides COVID, because you didn't have an MCU movie? Is there something that you missed about them? Was it okay for you to take a break? What What were your thoughts?
0: I'm guilty of every fanboy who wants his marvel iv injected every six months or so <laughs> i love these things on a steady drip and i'm sure we'll talk about this at, at some point but avengers endgame is probably the best movie theater experience i've ever had and there's probably some people out there listening who are thinking i'm just so lame for saying that but i think it was a big movie theater moment for everyone for mcu fans and you know, acolytes alike so in a way i think having that time off was actually good even though I get so excited about these things, it was good to build excitement for what was coming next. And obviously, they were able to line up some of the launches of the movies with the TV shows, which have been somewhat of a mixed bag. And I liked some better than others for sure. But still, it gave some space to breathe for what we had. And we got Spider-Man Far From Home as the sort of bow tied on the Infinity Saga. And now things officially kicked off with Black Widow, I I think it worked out for the best. Especially because I do think Marvel fatigue is, I don't know if it's imminent. And we'll have to see how these movies rebound post-COVID because Black Widow was a huge movie in terms of box office, as was Shang-Chi. But even so, they weren't coming close to pre-COVID Marvel numbers. So, I think it was good for me. What about you?
1: I'm, I, okay, so here's the thing. I enjoy the MCU but i I've never been a diehard fan. I evaluate each movie individually, which is something that I have been chastised for and also something I stand my ground in because I think Sure, I can enjoy the franchise, but if each franchise is an individual component, I want to under- I I want to like the individual component, not just the franchise for
0: existing. So when you say you evaluate each movie individually, you just mean you try to eschew all of the connective tissue for the MCU and I th-
1: I think so because if you're someone who comes to a Marvel movie for the first time and that first time is say like movie 15 in the MCU, would you still enjoy it or would the burden of not having the first 14 kind of cause it to bog down in your estimation? So um, that's that that's where I've been. And I enjoyed getting a break to kind I don't know. I don't know if it's to to reassess what I think about Marvel, but I did do that but also to understand what it is that I like about other
0: movies. Very cool. And I'm curious to see how that will bleed into our Marvel discussions seeing. What works for you within Marvel movies and what doesn't work specifically because of Marvel shenanigans <laughs> as there are some Marvel has a lot of shenanigans. Yes, they do. There are plenty of very valid critiques. And, you know, while we're at the outset of this discussion, Christian, I want to bring up, I guess, the the debate that we've all talked about. But Martin Scorsese gets a lot of love or lack thereof on our friend's the color brothers podcast hollywood week they often try to stick it to him for his views but he's basically described these movies as nothing more than theme park rides and you know not capital c cinema and the way that i've always seen that is that he's martin scorsese and he could definitely say what he wants about movies and he's probably right (laughs) and i actually do agree that in many respects mcu movies are in many respects these are supposed to be theme park rides not necessarily the deepest most emotionally profound explorations of the human spirit. (laughs) They're not indie movies. They are supposed to be big event movies, but I also do enjoy them, and I've been able to live with both of those concepts in my mind. What about you? Do you feel like you have a dog in that fight? I'm... Well, what... uh, Okay, I think that Martin Scorsese
1: is fully in his right to say he does not like where the industry is going. But I also... I don't know. Each year, the the thing is, is that I continue to find movies that I like and I continue to think that there are movies that have come out in 2021 that I think are better than movies that I've seen from the 1980s and 90s and 70s and 60s. And I think that classics may be classics because there is a generation who viewed them as classics. And just because I enjoy a movie now of my generation does not mean it cannot be a classic. So... Um, I think that in terms of, uh, corporations having more say than individual directors and screenwriters and actors, yeah, you know, I wish that they had more say, but also, I I, I mean, with all due respect, if the only movies I ever got were Martin Scorsese movies, I'd be really sad. This you would feel the same way this isn't a knock against Scorsese this is saying that we need different types of movies out there exactly
0: yeah and and although I mean who knows if we'll ever get to a Scorsese blend of the month we'd probably need multiple blends just to dip our toes into everything he's got going on unless we got really busy just with all the different types of movies he's made but even so yes obviously he, he's even someone who has worked in these big budget spectacle type of movies and he's also made small and intimate dramas and comedies so i'm with you we, we need all types of movies and for what it's worth as two different kinds of fans of the mcu i'm looking forward to discussing them with you I,
1: I i will say one last thing and this is this is a a pro for scorsese that we've gotten to the point where we need to see the term marvel or star wars on a poster for people to get out and see a movie and i hate that yeah i do too I mean I'm I'm not going to lie Th- there is a chance and I've thought this to I've thought this that because we put Marvel 2021 on these episode titles more people are willing to click and that's not just because they're more interested in it that's because they've actually seen these movies as opposed to some of the other ones we champion on the show and I am down to say hey Winter Soldier and Endgame and the first Iron Man uh, and Ant Man and Black Panther are movies that are worthy of of, of spending time on, it. and not even worthy. They're movies that we love, that we care about. But you, I I will. You should go out and see other things, not because, because there are other good things out there.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. And I, and in some respects, we could spend a whole podcast episode just talking about the industry. That's not really the the scope or the focus of our show, but you really could spend time getting into it because, like you mentioned, it, it is unfortunate that giant corporations and conglomerates that are continuing to grow larger and larger by sucking up other studios and production companies are you becoming... They can't do
1: that forever because <laughs> if you go over 40%, you're a monopoly, and that's against the law. <laughs>
0: I know, but if we got two people at 39%, it's going to be unfortunate. And and so it's, it's, it's sad that folks aren't really going to the movies, or nowadays they're even just watching stuff at home, which COVID good, like, make decisions that help you abide by your own personal sense of of safety, but we, as people who love the movie theater experience, too, know that it's great to see a drama at a movie theater, just like it's great to see a huge action movie, and I'm curious to see if and how things rebound from COVID, because the movie theater business is not obviously not going anywhere, but I think it's going to continue to change, as it already has over the last Year and a half, and well, I mean, we're closer to two years now of this pandemic. So let's get into Black Widow. It's it's time to get into Black Widow. It's time to get That's into Black sure. Widow. But interesting <clears throat> concepts to discuss for sure. And hey, listeners, if you have thoughts on it, you know feel free to shoot us an email. We'd we'd love to share your thoughts on the show. All
1: right, Black Widow came out this year. Uh, directed by Kate Shortland, it is a screenplay by Eric Pearson, and the story itself is by Jack Schaefer and Ned Benson. It is the beginning of Phase 4, and it deals with a time, I want to say, post-Captain America Civil War, pre-Avengers Infinity War, and deals with Natasha Romanoff, played by Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow, returning to Budapest in order, yeah, said it just like they said it in the movie, returning there. Because something in her past that she thought she had dealt with is still active and terrifying. Meeting up with an array of characters from her past, Florence Pugh, David Harper, and Rachel Weiss. I gave none of their movie names, but that's because those three names are most of us know. (laughs) I mean, I could call them a hopper.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sheriff Hopper.
1: Right. Now... The plot in and of itself, and I'm only going to say this because so often on this podcast, we deal with plot like 35 minutes in. And we need to stop that. And we need to actually tell people what this movie is about.
0: Although, to be fair, this is probably the first blend of the month where every movie, everybody's going to know the plot regardless. All right, all right. This is true. But,
1: but change needs to start somewhere. So, Natasha is on the run. She has been declared... An enemy of the state after the events of civil war, where she like defected, whatever, she's on the run. Um, She finds a safe house. And uh, in that safe house, in a town near there, she gets attacked. She follows those attacks back to Russia. And in Russia, she discovers who had been her um, adopted, quote unquote, spy sister-ish, that they had been on an undercover mission when they were children. Uh, Yelena, that is played by Florence Pugh. And Yelena herself had just escaped the Black Widow organization, which is brainwashing girls into becoming master assassins and spies. And this was the same organization that Natasha herself had escaped earlier. And through that, they end up finding their um, quote-unquote... Let me just call them, call them their Black Widow parents, who <laughs> who were in that secret organization with them, or undercover with them, and the four of them, as a weird mishmash family, decide to go on and take the Red Room, which is the organization that takes that that will that gets these Black Widow individuals. Is there anything I'm missing?
0: I, I mean. You probably said too much. That no, you you've covered all the important bases.
1: I mean, it makes about as much sense as any spy movie does. Yeah, which is a spy movie. I mean, it's, to an extent. It, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a
0: Marvel movie. Uh, anything you want to say before we head into fun facts? Oh, Christian, no, sir. It's time for my favorite part of the show. All right. So, fun facts. Great. Let's start us off. Here you go. We're going to start tender first, Christian. Uh, Alexi, who is David Harbour's character, a.k.a. the Red Guardian. When we move forward in time, we discover that he has been imprisoned, and we find out why later. But he has many tattoos and is getting a new one when we see him for the first time. And apparently, if you... You can pause the movie, 53 minutes and 48 seconds, but you'll see that he has a tattoo of two roses on his right shoulder, and our sweet Alexei, who we we know cares about, Natasha and Yelena, has these two roses with two Russian names tattooed by each one that actually translate to Natasha and Yelena. So, giving a little wink-wink at his, his feelings for them, even as they have not seen each other for many years. So,
1: going off of that... David Harbor is also part of my fun facts because there's a scene in this movie where as he's going into a superhero suit, he gets stuck, and that scene is is not scripted. He actually got stuck in his suit and cried for help because he needed someone to help him, and the shot of
0: his face is the one that made it into the movie. <laughs> That's amazing. Speaking of things that weren't supposed to be in the movie and ended up in the movie, we got great synergy on these fun facts, Christian. The Probably the most famous joke that emerged from this is Yelena's constant teasing of Natasha for the posing that she does. The famous Black Widow pose where she lands with one leg outstretched, her one hand on the ground, and she flips her hair up so it flails behind her, and Yelena makes fun of her. That is something that Florence Pugh actually just made fun of Scarlett Johansson for behind the scenes and Eric Peterson who was who wrote the screenplay liked it so much he wrote uh, a couple lines for it throughout the movie and it obviously became a running joke.
1: <laughs> uh, my last one in fact has to do with Scarlett Johansson where she developed her own story for Black Widow years ago apparently. And we don't know much about the movie but apparently it was very it was kind of an existential take on Black Widow and her past and what she does. But when she pitched it, Kevin Feige um, said, I don't think I can come into
0: work for this. (laughs) Come on, Kevin. Kevin Feige, the MCU could use a little existential energy. The last thing that I'll say then, because this one is probably one that is... There's no source on this. And there's a part of me that thinks it was mentioned on Jimmy Fallon once and maybe that's it, but it could be totally fake. But (laughs) apparently... Scarlett Johansson, who many of you may know, who's she's married to Colin Jost of SNL. She apparently asked him to run lines with her, and he declined because he didn't want any spoilers for the movie. So, shout out to Colin Jost. He's one of us. He's an MCU fanboy who is afraid of spoilers. Let's head into it.
1: We are talking about Black Widow, which is one of the biggest hits of the year, which came out in Disney Plus Premiere Access alongside theaters and is also currently streaming on Disney Plus. And are you ready for your opening question, Scott? Born ready, Christian. Now, in terms of looking at Black Widow as only the second ever female standalone superhero movie that Marvel has made, there are some people who have derided this movie as not being too little, but of being too late. And now that we finally get this film here, do you think it was an appropriate send off for the character Natasha Romanov? And do you think that this film basically catalogs nicely alongside the rest of the MCU?
0: I mean, bibliography. The MCU's uh, cited literature that it <laughs> is following along sorry i'm teasing you you know that is a good question and it's a good place to start this discussion because regardless of your feelings on the movie whether you liked it or not it black widow comes along at a bit of an odd time this is a movie that probably should have been made a long time ago scarlett johansson is because of her involvement in the mcu but in other movies as well is one of the most bankable stars in the world right now she's also she's
1: also one of the highest paid actresses by the mcu in comparison to other avengers right Did you, by any chance, watch the SNL sketch of um, Marvel can make a female superhero movie? And they do (laughs) like, so they make a fake trailer where uh, Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow is like in a rom com setting where she falls in love with Ultron.
0: (laughs) Actually, now that you mentioned it, I may have seen that when it was new. I just don't remember. It's
1: one of the greatest things in the world. (laughs) I
0: recommend. I
1: I want to watch that movie.
0: yeah but but even so the the critique that the MCU is a little bit too male dominated in terms of its movies and who gets featured in them at the center that I mean that's valid and and true and legit we there are so many amazing female Marvel characters and we've seen so many of them come to life in the MCU just often in supporting roles and so too little maybe maybe not too late definitely this is a movie that should have happened a long time ago and especially because Natasha had her fate sealed in Endgame and likely will not be appearing going forward, especially after all the drama with Scarlett Johansson's contract and all that. You know, it, it, it does come oddly. But at the same time, I think as a send-off for her character, I think it works. And as the, for the new characters that it brings to the, to the table, I'm excited because it brings some interesting people that I would very much like to... Or interesting characters, I should say, that I would very much like to see more of in the future of the MCU, one of whom we're going to see very soon because not only is Eternals coming by the time you're hearing this episode, but the Hawkeye series is going to hit Disney Plus at the end of the month, and that will feature Yelena. So, I I am excited as both a stage setter for Black Widow and as a send-off for Natasha. What do you think, Christian?
1: So there's, I mean, people who listen to this show know that earlier... This year I had Black Widow as like number 3 on my list of top 5 movies of 2021 so far. I think this movie kicks ass. I think it's wonderful and some of the reasons why I think is wonderful is some of the things that actually held back other people. You don't need to know any of the Marvel storyline at all to watch this movie. It is reminiscent of one of my other favorite MCU movies which is Winter Soldier in that it's kind it, it's spy-ish. You know, it's spy-ish in its portrayal of assassins and the Russian government as the enemy, but it's still a superhero movie that has its main characters at the forefront, and it's a fun time. It's a fun time to spend with the people here, with Rachel Weisz, who, beautiful, by the way, in this movie, (laughs) David Harbour, hilarious, and uh,
0: honestly, Florence Pugh. who's a budding movie star, TV star herself. I mean, she's a full blown capital M movie star at this point. Like this is the thing that I would, I think sealed the deal for her.
1: Again. And she proves she could do like anything she can do the accent and she can do the making fun of, and she can do the action. So let's go for it. Now let's, let's, let's talk about Marvel fans for a second. This adds nothing to the lore. Not one thing except that there is the
0: black widow organization that is, of course, I mean, you've seen this movie if you're listening, I'm sure, but spoiler alert, of course, that is dismantled by the end of this movie, <laughs> so... No, 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 but, but but not really. The Black Widows are still out there. Right, but the the organization that is controlling them and brainwashing them and training them is no more. But
1: yes, there right. are Black um, you, you, Widows out there. Have you, not, did you not watch Shang-Chi?
0: I sure did, Christian. You know you what I'm do. getting at.
1: They're coming back. Yeah, probably. Okay, But just as an action movie, I thought it was very thrilling. I thought it was funny. I thought this movie never lagged. And so just coming off of that, I'm like, okay, cool. The MCU, basically, none of its world expanded, but I don't need
0: this to expand its world. It's just a good time at the theaters. And that is absolutely one of the strengths of Black Widow. The fact that it can exist on its own, that you could have gone to see it and only missed a couple throwaway comments here and there. Because, of course, they keep referencing the fact that Natasha's an Avenger. And at the beginning, it's very clearly connected to the events of Avengers or Captain America Civil War. But you don't even really need to know that. You can pick up that there's some history with her and General Ross, who makes a cameo, and that's that. I, I am curious, though, Christian... Is this a movie that you watched a second time in preparation for the show?
1: I've saw it three times in theaters and one in in
0: preparation. You've seen this movie four times now? I've seen this movie four times now. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's impressive. (laughs) (laughs) Though, this is why I ask it. Because I also watched this movie for a second time. And I will confess. I watched this movie for the second time on a plane while I was flying back from visiting some friends in Ohio.
1: This is the equivalent of you, like, basically, I don't know, during lunch copying your friend's homework because you needed to turn something in. It's not
0: quite. It's the equivalent of doing the assignment over lunch, not copying someone, but I'm hastily finishing it before it's time to turn it in. Regardless, I'm sensing that your feelings about this movie have not changed, correct? They have not. Okay. My feelings about this movie have changed, but only slightly. And I will say, I think my estimations of Black Widow have dropped a small amount. The reason I think very possibly could be going from seeing it in movie theater after not seeing a Marvel movie for a year and a half to watching it on my phone on a flight at night where I was feeling very tired. And who knows? Those factors do play into our movie experiences, you do bring yourself into the movie, but I am curious, I guess... That's like blaming
1: the sun for shining too brightly when you're hungover. (laughs) Okay, Christian.
0: (laughs) No, but I, I do think we... This is something that makes more sense for a movie that you're watching with years in between and not just a couple of months. But... Our opinions on movies can change as we watch them and rewatch them that's as true. we change. And of course, you know it's common for for people to get much more emotional at movies where children are endangered after they have children themselves. That's like a common. I have kids now. That's how I feel about movies. Like, oh no, save the kids. We Do you must. have children? Is there something you're trying to tell me? No, Christian. Is someone pregnant? Nobody's pregnant. Well, plenty of people are, but <laughs> not not anybody in my family. <laughs> I just mean to say that we do bring ourselves into the movies, and so I, I want to acknowledge that maybe just not seeing this on a big screen, or even on a TV, affected how I felt about this movie, but it just it didn't work for me as well, and I want to try to unpack that with you, okay? because I know how much you love this movie. Mm-hmm. So I think the the biggest complaint that I had watching it a second time, when I knew the story, kind of knew the beats, and knew the characters and where this is going, is that it all feels very general. Drakov is the villain, and we don't get a lot of screen time with him and his plan is essentially just world domination which is the one thing that you should absolutely not do in a superhero movie anymore and the red room this organization that he's running and training black widows is in a sense a knockoff of shield almost because he has this floating base hidden in the air <laughs> and where he deploys his agents from
1: also there aren't that many black widows that we see even
0: there right we and, don't get the scope of it that right. much right and we do know there are there are widows all over the world but even so, there's not a ton there, although they do get involved in a pretty great set piece. Uh, and regardless, though, I think there are a lot of points where Black Widow is still shown for me, and especially the characters, the, the I mean, Red Guardian's not a Widow, but essentially the Widow family at the center of it, their dynamics still work for me, the actors' performances still work for me, and I have no complaints in that department. I think just the general movie around them dropped in estimations for me.
1: I think I know why, and and this is going to be based on our friendship and how I've known you to consume movies so far. <laughs> I think you are, in, it's not that you're not the biggest fan, but a movie will drop an estimation for you if the villain isn't fleshed out. And I think that for me, a movie rises regardless of the setting of the villain. If the hero is given all of the, like basically, a you know, all the bells
0: and whistles which I think is what happened here. I don't know if that is true, and maybe we could unpack it in terms of other reference points in other movies, but I don't always need a super fleshed-out villain. Shazam. Oh, my gosh. Well, in Shazam, Shazam's problem is that it doesn't just have a weak villain. It has lame villains. (laughs) It's got these dumb CGI demon creatures that are completely uninteresting so that is Shazam's problem but, le- but again the family at the center of that movie is excellent <laughs> but, but but let you even let's talk about this Draykov is
1: not a villain who is going to go down in the history of the MCU absolutely not uh and and most villains in the MCU are not necessarily the best villains in the MCU
0: also true
1: we have phenomenal villains that get character development Thanos, Killmonger. I like for me one of my favorite villains is Hela. Uh and Thor Ragnarok. Yes. No, what? I know.
0: Are, are you anti Hela? I'm extraordinarily pro Kate Blanchett. I just remember yes. being very underwhelmed by Hela.
1: <laughs> uh, she was so funny. She's like, "Yup, these things are mine and now I'm going to kill you." I'm like, <laughs> "Yes."
0: Well, look, I I don't I don't know if it's it's not Dreykov specifically. Uh, I actually really like Ray Winston, who's the who's the actor who in this performance because with a very small amount of screen time, he is obviously having a blast because he gets all of the cheesy villain lines and he just sinks his teeth into them, rocking this Russian accent. And I I think he is very good in this movie because when the people in big budget superhero movies are obviously having fun and you can tell they enjoyed making the movie it makes their performances more enjoyable because often we do run into actors who are clearly just cashing a check because they, or because their nephew said, I, I like Spider-Man, you should be in the Spider-Man movie. So I actually really like Roy Winston here. And and it, I think Dracov is a, not a great villain, but I didn't really need him to be an excellent villain. I just think that Black Widow's whole shtick feels a little bit more general to me as opposed to what I would have wanted them to do, which is, focused more intently on the, the family at the center and I, the villain could have been in this movie even less as long as his plan wasn't bland and related to just taking over the world i could have had a good time with it let's, let's find a point where we agree though the dinner scene may
1: be the best part of the movie oh it, it is most likely yes the best part of the movie and so if you're saying that the best parts are when we focus on the family dynamics and that i'll agree with you because Man, that family's great. It is. That I, yeah. is absolutely fantastic. I mean,
0: before we even get into the dinner scene, before we even get Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh, I, I did hear some people criticize the beginning of this movie as... No. Right. You're not allowed to do that. And not only because they're in the great state of Ohio in the year 1995, where I actually was not in Ohio yet at that time, but <laughs> shout out to the state of Ohio. Um, you do have this, I, I think, pretty solid opening sequence that it, it it's just a taut little thriller in and of itself and there's it's, this yeah, russian double agent thing going on david harbour and Rachel vice are great and a, a, across from a couple really solid child actors as well and from there we, we do have a, a solid dynamic forming that then johansson and pew pick up that might be one of my, it, it could be my favorite opening to an mcu movie
1: it and I, I'm, I'm just gonna say i love the nirvana cover
0: oh boy okay
1: <laughs> Were you? Are you one of those people who's like anti the Nirvana cover?
0: I, I am one of those people because the trope of taking a, a rock or a punk song and giving it this dreary, soft pop cover no. is so lame. No, and so it boring. Went so well, and smells the... like Teen Spirit is so disconnected from what is going on in the movie. I have no idea why they chose that song. they sounded great. Lauren Balf is the composer here, and the music throughout is solid. And they should have just let him score that opening scene, because the content, from what I could tell, is is perfectly serviceable. And I like the fact they did the opening to the movie that way. And there's the opening credits over some actual story. But the song, goodness gracious, there's been... six too many movie trailers that do that and it's lame every time a trailer does it
1: but okay so here here's where we're we're going to disagree then and this is just my general thoughts on movies you could have a movie that hits every single beat of a million other movies in the history of the world as long as you do it well and i think that this movie does that well, I don't need this movie to break new ground. You know how this movie broke new ground? It was self-contained for a Marvel movie. That's how this movie
0: broke new ground. Marvel movies have been somewhat self-contained before. None of them are purely self-contained. Exactly. Iron Man being the only one that essentially that can say that because it was the first one. But there are there have been self-contained stories before. This one certainly more so than most of its brothers and sisters in the MCU. Okay. look
1: the now the content of the lyrics of smells like teen spirit does not necessarily fit the movie in that I will agree with you but when i'm watching a like an opening spy intro and then the credits roll to reveal like what was going on in the red room with the black widows and you have this i'm going to say beautifully rendered a version of smells like teen spirit going on the 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 kid in me is like yes oh my
0: god yes keep
1: going keep
0: going weird, weird hill to die on Christian I I I don't know I would be curious if anybody else likes them because I haven't you I've never been a accuse, single person
1: you always accuse me of not having a pleasure principle <laughs>
0: this is true when I have, do you have pleasure begs you to, movie? to form it and the one time that you have I now have shame for you okay we'll disagree on the song Christian but. As the movie continues, it does take a little bit to get off the ground. Natasha's in hiding for a little while, but then she's attacked by the Taskmaster, who we'll talk about in a little bit longer. But we get to Budapest, and she's there with Yelena, her her sister. And I, I just want to know, that I think the Budapest sequence, which involves a fight between the two widows, them being attacked by other widows, and trying to escape before eventually going off to rescue Alexei from prison. I think that the Budapest sequence with the two of them is maybe the strongest, like, sequence within the movie. The the dinner scene is maybe the best individual. Actually, as you think about sequences and, and scenes and settings, maybe the dinner sequence and the family together is superior. But as action goes, I think that's my favorite action portion of the movie. What did you think of Budapest?
1: oh i loved it i i love that we got to see like this landscape and i love that the uh, how they are intermixing the comedy with the action of even opening the car door to slam into the motorcycle of one of the widows who's chasing them or the even like right after that when they're recuperating and they're having dinner and they casually just steal one of the guy's cars oh who's nearby I feel so bad for that guy i feel nothing towards him because <laughs> he's made up and this is a movie he's he's got little kids he's got his pride and joy his car and and he probably won't be written into the next movie so we can assume he died in fiction heaven
0: i hope we have a scene in hawkeye where yelena is like about to to kill someone and he just comes out of nowhere and just punches her in the face i remember you you took my car that that, it'd make me happy christian you want someone to punch florence Pugh? well she's been punched already and she'll be punched again why why wouldn't that guy have his chance and i don't want florence pew to be punched
1: (laughs) to be punched okay Uh, um i'm not gonna lie to you though when the red room at the end well spoiler alert the red room gets taken down when the red room crashes I love that, I love the uses of the reds and the jumping through the windows and the various different camera angles going by and the explosion when Yelena like puts the pull into the propeller thingy um, and everyone jumping and flying through the air and midair giving parachutes to other people. There was the set itself, the production design, kate shortland i cannot keep um praising her as a director in this movie there is always something for you to keep your eye on in these action sequences the entire screen is full of little things you can be like oh and that guy's flying through over there oh and that guy got punched over there and it's so entertaining this movie is beautifully paced
0: beautifully paced i don't i don't know beautifully paced but certainly well paced that's for sure And, and in terms of the ending the the you know the the third act where they arrive at the red room and they're trying to take everything down has been criticized by some in the wake of this movie as just being like common bland over CGI utilized Marvel ending, and I actually don't think it's that bad as as Marvel endings go. And the, there are when there we are... get to Shang Chi, we'll hear my thoughts on that. Sure. Uh, we'll save it, Christian. Save it for next week. Um. But I, I, the one thing that I, I wish was a little bit more tightly wound was just the, the balance of the different storylines going on. I guess the balance of the, of the different characters. Because we have Elena who is about to be lobotomized, apparently. And she escapes, and she goes to help. And then Alexei and... Oh my gosh, we haven't even said Rachel Weiss's name yet. <laughs> Mel- Melina. <laughs> yes. Melina, Melina. yes. Uh, we have Alexi and Melina who escape from their little cells, and then Alexei starts fighting the Taskmaster, and Melina goes to try to shut down the Red Room, and of course Natasha is listening to Drakeoff monologue and breaking her nose and fighting widows. There are, there's a lot going on, and I feel that if they would have, instead of having four, each character having something separate going on, maybe having them pair up, so there is less to keep track of or just easier to balance could have helped with the, the, the not the pacing of the ending per se But just the, the balance because there are a few moments where you're like wait a second Wasn't alexi fighting taskmaster and getting his butt kicked and then you cut it to it again And he's still getting his butt kicked And it just makes me wonder why wasn't he thrown out of the red room and isn't he free-falling towards earth? Or Why isn't he dead yet? And and so I, I wish there was a stronger balance there. It's certainly not the the worst or most boring ending that an mcu movie has done that's for sure i i will get i will definitely like what which, what is the most boring ending an mcu movie has done oh boy i mean incredible hulk is probably just worst everything for an mcu movie um i i don't remember being a big fan of the dark world or thor the dark world's I re-watched ending thor, the dark world is not the worst thing i i no it, i mean for Honestly, most MCU movies, there's like a, a bottom... There's Thor, a I quality. actually think, has a pretty boring ending. Thor does have a pretty boring ending. Yeah, so again, there's there's other examples of, of bad endings. And I think, you know, although Black Widow decreased in my, my the way I feel about it, I still like the movie overall. There, there's a lot to enjoy, both for MCU people and not. I'm just trying to kind of point out, be kind of a counterpoint because I know how much you do love this movie. I, I will say, though,
1: I, I I understand what you're saying, but we've gotten different things throughout this whole movie. We have a prolonged single-person action scene when um, when Natasha first gets attacked by Taskmaster on that bridge. We have a dramatic uh, dining room scene where the family gets back together. We have the team-up scene before they attack the Red Room. We have the um, under-like revelation that kicks the plot forward when Yelena gets the red dust thrown at her. There are eight different kind of full genres going on in this, and I'm appreciating each and every single one of them. To me, it was balanced throughout. Like, I got the drama that I wanted. I got the action that I wanted from just one character. I got the comedy and the family dynamics. So now at the end, when they're cutting between 20 different things, I thought, yeah, you know, because I've had so much to build up to this moment.
0: Yeah, I mean... I think it, too, it comes down to, to preference, too, of course. And I'm sure that there are... We'll, we'll talk other Marvel movies this month that, obviously, we're going to feel about differently. And we'll, I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens with Eternals because it's getting some polarizing reactions. I've, and I've heard it's getting... Po- um Maybe I shouldn't say
1: this. It's getting polarizing reactions from people who are Marvel fans, it looks like. Sure, yeah. It, it seems to be more, like messed up expectations then the movie itself is not good
0: yeah yeah and and, I mean we'll see because I can see a world where one of us loves it and one of us hates it and I can see a world where I'm the one who loves it or I'm the one that hates it, and you know, vice versa. Like, I I, I am looking forward to discussing that movie with you. Uh, and so, obviously, some of these things come down to preference, and especially with action movies, everybody has the things that they like. And and maybe you do like having these this team, where everyone is split up and gets their own thing to do. Whereas I would have preferred to see them, have, you know, paired off, and and that would have added to the drama for me and would have streamlined things for me. And I can even say a preference that I had for this movie that I actually like about Black Widow in comparison to other MCU movies, and. Wish it would have doubled down on is actually just the way the action is shot And one of the things I actually tend to dislike about Marvel movies is that the action is is very poorly cut And so there's constant cutting constant editing. You're not really letting the action scenes breathe And so the average shot length is very short whereas my preference when it comes to action movies is longer takes let the stunt people cook and try your best to have these Prolonged sequences where you can tell it's actually people fighting actually people putting in the stunt work in combination with the the visual effects team, etc and Kate Trollin and her team did make that happen with Black Widow in some ways where they're actually trying to let some of these scenes breathe a little bit longer and I mean speaking of Shang-Chi they continue in that direction and we'll talk about that more next week And I but even for this movie I think there are so many moments where they've actually could have been even improved had they just had they put in the work to? let the shots breathe and let the performers do their work. Uh, I'm, I am curious about what you just thought about the action specifically, because obviously people who get obsessed about one take scenes (laughs) and stuff like that, well, they can get very annoying. And I am one of those annoying people. Like I love a good one take scene. And so there are moments in this, when I was rewatching it where I was like, Oh, I wish they would just wouldn't have cut this. I wish they, I wish they would have just committed to this. Uh, but I'm curious, what do you think about the action specifically and how it was, how it was shot and, edited in this movie
1: I mean I thought it was great because I thought it was the um, shot reverse shot it's th- take of action which worked very well for what they were doing and when you have shot reverse shot and then cut to different characters I, I enjoyed I thought the scenes were not too short long enough that I could enjoy them and that they just I, to me the worst thing a movie can be is is well one of the worst things a movie can be is badly paced because if it's badly paced I get to my thoughts start to drift and if my thoughts start to drift, it's not the best thing, you know, for the movie or for what I think
0: about the movie. Christian starts daydreaming, thinking about what he's going to get me for Christmas, can't pay attention for the movie anymore. Man, it just gets crazy up there. Am I
1: supposed to top what I got you last year? I'm not asking you to top it, just equal it. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, for me, I, th- I thought the action was good because it was well cut for me. And I also think that it was humorous, and I cared about the action because I cared about the characters who were present
0: in the action. Yeah, the, the humor is, it's not very quippy in this movie, it, it's very character-based and plays off of their dynamics, which I do like. Any, any other, anything major for this movie, Christian, that you want to make sure we touch on before we start to, to wrap up our discussion? We, we talked about the action, we talked about the characters, talked about the villain, and <laughs> his... Lame plan. Anything else? Uh, I mean... We talked about Smells Like Teen Spirit, goodness gracious. Just one thing,
1: and then we'll, and then we can end it early, I guess. Uh, look, if you are someone who wants a huge big bad, or intergalactic space travel, or superpowers being used, this is not what this Marvel movie is doing. Uh, this isn't, but... If you, like, let go of those expectations, create new ones based on what the opening scene of the movie invites you into. Try to let go, and this is going to go for, honestly, all movies. Watch the opening scene of any movie, and then see what are the expectations that the film has for you. And try to watch a film that way, because you'll find that more often than not, um, it, it'll let you know what it wants to go for, and, uh many times succeed in that I I thought this was a very enjoyable movie I think this ranks pretty highly to me in terms of what Marvel has done and I, I hope that Kate Shortland gets to direct more with either these characters or these
0: characters adjacent Maybe, perhaps, she will get to make a Black Widow 2, as, of course, we no longer have Natasha, but we sure do have Yelena. Yelena. So we'll see if she gets her own solo movie someday, and maybe, hopefully, the song that they put over the credits for that movie... Won't be so cheesy and weird and lame.
1: She'll probably get it in like 14 years once Yelena's character has died and they realize that they never made a Yelena
0: movie. <laughs> of course. So they'll bring in Florence Pugh one last time to play Yelena and then who will they bring in next as her partner in crime? <laughs> or, who will they bring Hayden Panettiere. Hayden Panettiere, <laughs> who is older than Florence Pugh, <laughs> coming to the MCU. <laughs> All right, folks. That is Black Widow. It is currently streaming for free now for all Disney Plus subscribers. It is where Christian and I watched it in preparation for this episode. And whether you caught it earlier this year and are looking to rewatch it or you still have not seen it, we would both recommend it Christian more strongly than myself.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Correct. Next week, we have Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, which is still in theaters. Yes.
0: I I was looking into this before because I was hoping to just catch it on Disney Plus so I wouldn't have to pay for it again if I wanted to rewatch it in anticipation of our episode. Just go to CineMark. And it is unfortunately coming to streaming on November 12th, which is when the episode will be arriving in your podcatchers, so I'll have to figure something out here. I will not watch it illegally. Don't come after me, Disney. I'm not going to do it, but we'll see. And just go watch it at Cinemark. I, I'm on my, my Cinemark poverty plan, where they give me one free movie a month. I got I to gotta ration them. <laughs> Use it carefully.
1: Oh, you don't have any of the, uh, like, carryover ones? I, I used them all. Okay makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Get the AMC plan.
0: I know. I do need uh you know, I do need to switch to the AMC plan. I like it. we'll do that. Cinemark if you wanna I don't know, maybe sponsor sponsor this podcast maybe. Cinema Drip brought to you by Cinemark, maybe I'll stay. There's there we go. See what you can do for me, folks over at Cinemark. Or AMC if you want to give me a better deal than the three <laughs> movies I have a week. <laughs> and hey Regal, if you're out there, I mean we're we're taking all offers. <laughs> Battle hey. draft house. Oh now that, the that. landmark the landmark the landmark we're patrons of the landmark i would love it if they would somehow hook us up but hey if you want to catch shang chi and the legend of the ten rings either for the first time which we would encourage you to do to follow along next week or uh, if you're looking to revisit it just like we will go ahead and check it out at your local theater or wait till the episode drops and just watch it the 12th to follow up with us and then listen after and christian that is our show If you've reached this point in the episode, as always, thank you so much for listening. Christian and I appreciate the support and we're excited to be talking Marvel movies this month and hope that you are looking forward to it as well. As always, there are a few things that you can do to support the show and help us reach new listeners. Number one, give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We do love to shout out those who do leave a review behind. And of course, as you subscribe, as you rate, as you review, it does help us grow on the app and reach new listeners. And of course, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, helps us reach new listeners. If you have some feedback for the show... Do please send us an email at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. I will always say this. We take your feedback seriously. We have incorporated it into episodes before, and we've shouted out folks numerous times on this show, whether it be our good buddy Paul Gonzalez, who gave us the idea for Magic May, or our buddy Jordan Brown, who wrote in some suggestions a few months back. Hi, Jordan. Hope you're doing well. Haven't talked to you in a while. We love to hear your thoughts for us. And obviously we're talking Marvel because we want to talk movies that people have seen and are excited about. We would love to know what you want us to talk about. So please send us some ideas for future blends of the month or movies you want us to work into the show somehow. We would love to take your suggestions to heart, especially as we look ahead to Cinema Drip 2022. You can, of course, also follow us on social media. Christian and I are on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we're watching, and where I am stalking to see what he thinks of movies so I can be prepared before we record the show. And you can follow the show and myself on Twitter. Christian is on Instagram. Christian, any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home?
1: Uh, No, I'm good.
0: (laughs) One last question for you, Christian. In terms of your your ranking for the year, I'm not sure if you've revisited this, but as a little bonus tidbit for the folks who stayed to the end, how does Black Widow sit now that you've gotten to see some more twenty twenty one movies? It's still in my top ten. It, it's not in my top five anymore
1: because of seeing some better movies. But it, it it's currently still in my top ten.
0: Eight or eight, I wanna say. Ooh. Interesting. I mean you then you've I mean you mentioned a lot of five stars, so you've got a lot of good twenty twenty one movies, it seems. I don't think... You've seen
1: one of my five stars. You've seen Primetime.
0: Yes. Yes, But the other three, I don't believe you've seen. Okay. Well, this should be some exciting homework for me as we are looking towards the end of the year and eventually getting to our respective top tens of the year. So, hey, thanks for sticking around for a little bonus tidbit at the end, folks. As always, catch us next week. We're talking Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And until next time, this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.